You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. Welcome to the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni, joined by me, Blake Sullivan. And today we have a great show for you folks. We're going to get into some of your quarterback streamers. We're going to talk some start sits. And we actually have some great questions from you guys, the listeners, today. Uh, we have a special guest on the show, Kyle Richardson of Rotoballer. What's happening, man? Not much. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I appreciate it. Blake, it's been a while since you and I have done a podcast together, but uh takes me back to our uh takes me back to our champions analysis days a little bit. Yeah, it's been a minute, but you know, gotta get back into it sometime. So now's a good time to do it. Yes, sir. Championship week. Yeah, it's funny. We've had a bunch of fan tracks guys on the show, like Meany and Florio. I think you're the first rotoballer guy we've had on, so I think Blake feels right at home. Yeah, I've been trying to work in some of the guys, but you know, just scheduling been busy and you finally made it happen. No better week to do it than championship weekend. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're going to get into all of your questions for championship week. If you made it to the championship, congrats. If not, if you're still, you know, you want some skin in the game and DFS, we got all that covered for you today. Uh, before we get into it, where you can find the show, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, FSGN.com, RollTheBaller.com. Find us everywhere, folks. And when you subscribe to iTunes, you leave that five-star review because I know you will, and you follow us on Spotify, we are giving away a signed, authentic Josh Gordon jersey. So we've gotten a bunch of reviews. We've gotten a bunch of good feedback for this jersey. Um, completely free. All you got to do is follow us on Spotify and leave that review. So I want to start us off, guys. 2018 is coming to an end. So we've all had guys that we, you know, kind of highlighted in the offseason that we were like, okay, this is our guy. Um, I want to talk about a few guys that really exceeded expectations for us this season. Kyle, you're the guest today. I want you to start us off. Who exceeded your expectations for 2018 fantasy football? I think we have to talk about, start the segment anyway, and talking about one of the biggest surprises in all of football this year and that's got to be Philip Lindsay uh, and the reason he was one of my biggest surprises is because I was on the other ship with Royce Freeman uh, the one that has went down and is now at the bottom of the ocean yes. so Philip Lindsay's just been fantastic this year and even when the season got started I said you know what Philip Lindsay good player he looks good out there but he's not your proto- prototypical back he's not going to be the guy that carry the full full workload Royce Freeman's going to get work back in at some point this isn't going to continue all year long. So it took a while before I really started to believe Philip Lindsay is doing something special here. And, he, and he's just been fantastic this season. Um, you know, with a good game against Oakland, which I expect him to have here in week 16, uh, he's going to go over 1,000 rushing yards. He already has 10 total touchdowns on the season. Uh, I mean, he made a Pro Bowl. He made the Pro Bowl this year. I, I believe if I read correctly the other day that he is the first – undrafted free agent to ever make the Pro Bowl in his rookie season. So the guy has been not only just a fantastic overall player, but he was probably picked up off the waiver wire by a majority of his owners this year. So you basically got a running back one for free at the start of the season, which is which is what fantasy football is all about, working the waiver wire, finding those types of players, and he's rewarded them. Yeah, most definitely. It's, you know, Philip Lindsay is one of those guys that, you know, you look at and he flashes and you're like, okay, but can he sustain it? Can he, you know, and it's almost like it was too late before I was like, okay, I believe. I believe in Philip Lindsay. And I think a lot of that was based on Royce Freeman. Because, you know, when we looked at the, the roster for the Broncos in the offseason, it was like Royce Freeman or Devontae Booker. We, I wasn't even considering Philip Lindsay as an option. You know, I, I was not even doing that. And then Royce Freeman just, he played okay. And I figured he was getting enough volume, but 
Philip Lindsay has been unbelievable. He's a three down back, which I think has just limited uh, Royce Freeman's ability to get onto the field even. So Lindsay has had an unbelievable season pro baller and certainly deserves it. Yeah, 5.7 yards per touch is what really stands out to me. He's just been so efficient that it's been hard for them to get Royce Freeman in there because there hasn't really been a need for a change of pace or somebody to do better. He's just gotten the job done the whole time, uh, and he's been consistent the whole year. Yeah. Uh, My guy is going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, You have to look at the beginning of the year with Tyrod Taylor in there. A lot of people weren't expecting Baker to even get a chance this year. I personally knew he wouldn't be starting at the beginning of the season just because they gave Tyrod Taylor the money. Uh, I think my guess was at game four, or game five, and it came a little bit earlier than that for Baker. He's five and six. His five and six record this year as a quarterback with a 63.9% completion percentage. Uh, nothing fantastic, but it's definitely pretty good for a rookie, especially when you're talking about being on the Browns and just having five wins as the Browns quarterback, especially in your rookie year. Uh, that's got to be an accomplishment in itself. But uh, 3,065 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Definitely nothing to sleep on when you look at uh, the weapons that are there. Nothing spectacular. A lot of young guys, young receivers. And, you know, going into that Browns organization, it's got to be a sigh of relief for those fans. And definitely exceeded my expectations this year. It's crazy, man. Just, you know – it feels like just yesterday it was August and you and I are talking about Baker Mayfield and, you know, I, you were really high on him. Uh, I, I liked him as a player, but I really didn't think that he was going to see playing time this year. I really didn't. I really thought it was going to be Tyrod all 16 games. Um, and I thought that Baker would kind of pull a Patrick Mahomes of last year, you know, sit on the bench for a year and uh, kind of come in next season as, as the guy. But, Man, talk about exceeding expectations. Baker Mayfield is going to be a guy next year who, you know, I I think he should be a quarterback that a lot of people should target in redraft leagues, especially because I think that he still will be underdrafted next season. I I agree with that, being underdrafted next year. I think this is a guy that next year is a legit quarterback one. And personally, I think they just keep the coaching staff the way it is heading into the offseason. I don't think there's any reason with the way that they've played, with as good as the offense has been, with the day, way the defense has performed, to change anything. So I'm, I'm hoping that they just keep everything the way it is so Baker Mayfield can, can continue to learn under those coaches instead of making a change in season, then making another change in the offseason, potentially having someone with a new playbook, then Baker Mayfield has to learn that again. If they keep everything the same, I like him to be a quarterback one next year. I think he's a guy that you could draft. He will be he will be what I basically said Dak Prescott was, except better, this year. Dak Prescott was a guy that I said has QB1 upside. Obviously didn't show it at the beginning of the season. Has been much better since the Amari Cooper trade. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of a guy like I waited on in all of my drafts because I think he was a guy that could be a low-end QB1 that you could get extremely late. And I think the same thing can happen here. Uh I agreed. I agree with you, man. I, I agree that I thought Baker Mayfield was going to sit on the bench all season long and we were going to see Tyrod Taylor all season. And then next year was the year of Baker Mayfield. Didn't work out that way. And I'm glad it didn't work out that way because Baker Mayfield was my QB one in the draft. He was the guy that I liked at the top of the draft. I thought the Browns should take him and it's worked out well so far. Yeah, it's worked out well. And, you know, will the Browns mess this up? I guess is the question that we all have. Because they certainly can. Uh, you know, don't underestimate anybody, especially a Browns organization that has continuously uh, underachieved. I will say that John Gruden and the Raiders make this franchise look like very competent right now. So <laughs> I think if John Gruden just keeps, you know, looking at Nathan Peterman and players like that, then the Browns are going to be okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Tariq Cohen real quick because he's a guy that I really was looking at as somebody to draft at the end of drafts, um, most definitely, you know, something like ninth, 10th round pick and redraft. Um, but along, you know, with the Bears organization themselves, he has certainly exceeded expectations. He is the RB12 in PPR right now, folks. Tariq Cohen, 87 targets uh, and catching 68 of those for 710 yards, five touchdowns and then adding in 405 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So seven total touchdowns on the year thus far. I think Jordan Howard's 
inefficiency has really helped Tariq Cohen be more utilized in the Bears offense. Um, Matt Nagy coming in has been excellent for Tariq Cohen. And for him to be an RB1 right now at this point of the season, I would, be, I would say that you are crazy uh, if you asked me that in August. But, you know, I had him something like RB28. Um, and for him to be where he is right now and to also make a Pro Bowl just like Philip Lindsay, um, you know, he certainly has exceeded expectations. Will Tariq Cohen be overdrafted next year? Uh, Blake, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know about overdrafted, but I think it's just going to be dependent on where they draft him. I think he's going to be drafted a little bit too high. Right. Um, yeah, if you're in a PPR league, it makes sense to reach up for him a little bit. But if you're in a standard league or even a half-point PPR league, I don't know that I'm going to be rushing out there to get him because at the end of the day, Jordan Howard could could be better next year. You know, he had a bad year this year. Yeah. Uh, he definitely has good upside. So if he comes back and starts taking more of the carries, I kind of get worried about Tariq Cohen's value. And, you know, I think he's going to be safe. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust next year. Uh, there's a lot of people that were really high on Tariq Cohen, and I was personally kind of low on him. Uh, I've just seen too many of the Bears players over the last six years that show flashes of greatness and then pan out to be nothing just because the organization was unstable. But like you said, bringing in Matt Nagy, I think that makes the whole Bears team stable. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky has developed a lot as a quarterback. And when you add in the weapons at wide receiver and bringing in Trey Burton, the offense is just a whole nother beast. And I think, yeah, Tariq Cohen's going to have great value to come. And I don't think he's going to be drafted terribly, terribly high, but yeah, definitely something to be careful of if you're, if you're in a draft and you have to reach for him. You bring up a good point, man, because, you know, Jordan Howard, the last three weeks, 16 carries, 19 carries, 19 carries. Um, and he's been okay for you. The reason why he's been such a disappointment is because he was drafted in the second round this year. So Jordan Howard is the discount there for next season where Tariq Cohen is probably going to be drafted too high. Uh, Kyle, would you agree with that? Or are you thinking that uh, Cohen is certainly worth the pick uh, in PPR? I think in, I think in P- PPR, we could end up seeing him drafted maybe a little bit too high, um, especially as we see kind of a second-year turnaround with Mitchell Trubisky into this new offense. Um, they've showed enough flashes this year that fantasy owners always want to grab at those flashes and stay away from those per, those poor performances that we've seen. So we've seen those flashes. We know that this offense can be really good at times, can be really bad at times. Going into next season, like in a PPR league, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tariq Cohen drafted as a high running back too. I, I would honestly not be surprised to see him go um, as high as that. I don't think he quite makes it into running back one territory, which would be absolutely insane. I don't think that happens, but I think he gets a little bit too high from my taste uh, personally. So I, I do think, especially if the Bears finish the last couple of weeks off really well, and if they hit, if they perform well in the playoffs, and then the last thing remember about this offense is because remember how excited everyone got about him this past offseason when Nagy was hired everybody thought that this was going to be the next big offense with explosive offensive players and high scoring it, it it got out of control this past season so I could see it getting out of control again yeah most definitely it will depend on how uh, the Bears finish out and you know if Cohen has a couple big games I mean you know he could really in PPR leagues I mean realistically at this point because he is currently the RB12 uh, in PPR. I mean, he could really be drafted in the third round next season, redraft. So, uh, you know, if that's too high for you, then yeah, maybe, maybe Tariq Cohen's a guy you stay away from. Um, so it's just something to think about early on. Something else to think about this week. We know it's announced today that Cam Newton will be sitting. He's going to be resting that shoulder. Um, good move by uh, Riverboat Ron. And we have Aaron Rodgers, who he says he expects to play, so I think if we go off of that, uh, that would be kind of foolish. We have to wait and see what the, how that develops. But I do think that you need a backup plan for Aaron Rodgers if, you think, if you're thinking about starting him this week. Um, you obviously need a backup plan if Cam Newton was your guy. So let's talk some streamers. I'm going to name a bunch of guys, and then I'll toss it up to you, Blake, and you can follow up, Kyle. Just pick one of these guys. Um, I think Dak Prescott is, if he's still out there, he's the number one streamer, okay? He's playing Tampa Bay, so let's take him away from this. But I think that if he's on your waiver wire still, 
grab him, start him. Uh, but let's talk about Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Nick Foles. Blake, of those guys, which one do you like? Yeah, it's kind of tough for me. I want to say Nick Foles, but he definitely has a tougher matchup going against the Texans. I think I'm probably going to go with Josh Allen, though. He's been playing really well lately. He's got the Patriots matchup. It could be a shootout game. Uh, he's been really successful on the ground lately, so that's definitely going to give you a lot of upside as well. So at the end of the day, I think I'm going to go with Josh Allen, but I wouldn't be terribly afraid to start Nick Foles. I definitely agree with the assessment that Dak Prescott, number one, if he's still out there, he's the guy that you stream this week, especially in, in a very, very favorable matchup against Tampa Bay. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are going to be next for me. So when I look at these two and I try to decide which one I'm going to go with, I still think Lamar Jackson is a better passer right now than Josh Allen. And he offers the same kind of upside on the ground running the ball as Josh Allen. I do like the matchup against the Chargers a little bit more. One where Jackson might have to throw the ball a little bit, a little bit more than Josh Allen may need to throw it against New England. That Buffalo defense is so good going into New England. I think that could end up actually being potentially close, not an upset, potentially close. So I'm going to take Lamar Jackson over Josh Allen this week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at these stats and Lamar Jackson is just so consistent right now rushing the ball that you know he's gonna give you that nice floor that you need so man the last five weeks 119 71 75 67 and then 95 rushing yards last week uh it, it seems as if you know that floor is like 60 yards rushing uh which is fantastic at the quarterback position I think it would be between Darnold and Lamar Jackson. And for the sake of being contrarian, I'm going to go Sam Darnold because I think he's a fine play this week. It's a little scary. Uh, so I think Lamar Jackson and even Josh Allen can be safer. But the Green Bay Packers have not been good against the quarterback recently. Um, 22 fantasy points, 32 fantasy points, 26-22 in four of the last five weeks. Uh, and that 22 last week was to Mitch Trubisky. Sam Darnold had a good game last week against the Texans. He actually put up a solid fantasy day for you. Um, so the matchup is significantly uh, easier, uh, you know, for lack of a better word there, uh, against the Packers who don't quite have that pass rush um, and a secondary that can be exploited. So I think Sam Darnold, you know, now that he's found Robbie Anderson uh, a couple times here deep, if he gets one of those, um, you know, that's a good fantasy day for you. So I do like Sam Darnold this week as a streamer. So, guys, don't make the same mistake I did last week. Pick up the Falcons defense. This defense is actually going to win you a championship because last week, 25 fantasy points. Uh, they go against the Carolina Panthers, who uh, – man, who was the starter this week guys, for the Carolina Panthers? Oh, man. They announced it earlier today. And honestly, I looked at the name and I was like, um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Is it uh, Taylor Heinke? Let me pull this up. I honestly haven't even looked at the notification yet. Well, I, I just I cannot pronounce his last name for the yeah. life. Heinicke, I think, is how you pronounce it. Well, the fact that we don't know this guy, I think, says everything we need to know about the Falcons' defense this week. Uh, they're on a lot of waiver wires right now. Um, I would pick up the Falcons defense and start them with confidence uh, against the Carolina team who really wasn't even, you know, moving the ball well at all with Cam Newton in. So one of the best defensive fronts too. you're going to get a lot of sacks out of it and that should lead to fumbles and maybe even some interceptions that they force. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Great streaming option this week. Seven sacks uh, last week, got the touchdown, of course, uh, two picks. So yeah, great streaming option. So let's get into some of these start-sit questions from the listener. Um, so we have Robert Foster or John Ross, and that's from at Lion Lenny. So, Kyle, I know you're a big Robert Foster guy. Is, is, is he the guy over John Ross this week? He is the guy over John Ross this week. Robert Foster averaging over 25 yards per reception over the last several weeks, um, playing extremely well, a guy that's not well-known. Um, but I will take him over John Ross, who really, other than getting some short touchdowns here or there this season, hasn't done a whole lot. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. When we first got this question, I sat there and I was like, 
this might be the week that John Ross does it. You know, we've been waiting for it. Me and Steve both like him a lot. Um, you know, he's going to have opportunity this week, but I just don't think he's going to be as safe of a play, and I don't think his upside's quite there either as it is with Robert Foster. And if I'm in a dynasty format, I'm definitely going to pick him up this week if I can. Might be something that you want to write him out through the end of this year, and then uh, his opportunity should be pretty good next year with Josh Allen, who likes to throw the ball deep. You talked about his yards, uh, his average yards per reception. That's going to be something that really bodes well uh, for Josh Allen. So, yeah, I'm definitely picking him up in dynasty leagues, and I'm going to be streaming him in DFS for sure. Yeah, you know, John Ross is, you know, I, I think of him as a big play guy, but there hasn't been many, and Kyle, you alluded to the short touchdowns that he's getting. Most of his touchdowns are in the red zone. Hasn't exceeded more than three catches this season. In the last few weeks, six yards, 11 yards, 13 yards. I, I don't feel comfortable playing that in my championship week. Robert Foster is a guy who's getting targets and he's racking up receptions and he looks to be the wide receiver one right now. So a lot of people were calling for Zay Jones um, to be the guy. And I think that at this point, Foster has you know, kind of put him to the side. Um, so yeah, three games of 100 yards and then one with 94 yards getting some some touchdowns for you. I think that he's definitely the safer play and has a higher ceiling. So, yeah, Robert Foster for me. So, another one from Lion Lenny. Gus Edwards or Elijah McGuire? Blake, start us off. Yeah, I'm going to go with Elijah McGuire for this one. I think his touchdown upside is going to be a little bit higher with this matchup. Uh, Packers have not been very good against the run, and especially when you've got a running back that can receive – I don't expect the Packers to play everyone on defense the whole game. If people are getting tired, if anybody gets banged up, they're going to be really careful with them and take them out of the game. So you might see a lot of inexperienced players back there, uh, some guys that haven't seen much time this year. So definitely has a potential to be an Elijah McGuire game, and I just don't see Gus Edwards having enough upside. I do agree on the Gus Edwards upside because he's non-existent in the passing game. So that makes a hundred percent. That that's a hundred percent for me. Yeah. hundred percent agree on that one. Elijah McGuire though. I don't think he's nearly as safe. And when we're going into championship week, especially after going through a crazy week 14 and 15, when there have been players hurt, players not playing well, give me something safe this week. Give me something that I can put in my lineup and say, I feel like I know what I'm going to get from this guy and that's Gus Edwards for me this week the uh, Los Angeles Chargers are allowing 22.90 fantasy points to opposing running backs over the last four weeks at six most in the league last week was a prime opportunity for Kenneth Dixon to show up and really take over that backfield um, after all the truthers came out saying this was the guy I mean this is going to be him and even with that upside last week they still relied on Gus Edwards so I will take him this week yeah, I like Gus Edwards better as a player because I love the way he runs and I love the volume he's getting. But Elijah McGuire is also getting the volume, 17 carries, 18 carries the last two weeks with a touchdown and then three catches in each of those games. He's the only guy uh, for the Jets right now. And I am kind of worried about a game script where the Chargers potentially go up. Uh, you know, by 10 points or maybe, you know, two touchdowns and then they're not running the ball as much for the Ravens, even though that's their bread and butter. And I don't see them getting away from that. Um, so if it's any sort of PPR format, I think I will go McGuire. If it's standard, I think I'm going Edwards. Um, but that that's really close. And, you know, if you have any sort of, um, you know, like I said, PPR, I, I think it's got to be McGuire because three catches in each of the last two games. Um, you know, and he can break one for a long one. So uh, I like Elijah McGuire over Gus. So we got Tom Brady or Kirk Cousins. This is from Two on One Fantasy Football Podcast. Tom Brady or Kirk Cousins? Kyle, start us off. I really want to say Kirk Cousins, but yeah. against your Lions? Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I because I feel like the. Lions, especially at home, they seem to do really stupid things every once in a while. And that one of those things is they tend to show up in games like this at the end of the season and play well. So I, I feel like big play Slay, Darius Slay, I love him. He's a great cornerback. He's a guy that can help shut down Stephon Diggs. 
Um, the, Detroit's been much better against the run, so I could see Dalvin Cook struggling a little bit this week. But Tom Brady against a Buffalo team, a defense that is really underrated. I said it a few minutes ago, this is something that could end up being really close. Um, not, uh, not an upset by Buffalo, but they could give Tom Brady some issues this week. So I will go Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, uh, Brady played Buffalo earlier in the season, 324 yards, no touchdowns. And that slop fest with the Lions for Kirk Cousins, he really had a poor game. Um, now, this is going to be in Detroit. Um, so, yeah, 164 yards, one touchdown against Detroit for Kirk Cousins early in the season against Minnesota, uh, or in Minnesota, I'm sorry. Um, I, I think that was more, uh, you know, they were running the ball a little bit more. Maybe they'll pass more. Uh, in Detroit, um, and we've seen Tom Brady be a guy who's let us down in championship weeks before. With that being said, I'm going to ride with Tom Brady with this. Uh, I think that he can put up the yards at home, and then also he's going to give you two touchdowns. So I'm thinking something like 270 yards, two touchdowns for Tom Brady this week, and I think that's the play that I would make. Yeah, you, you talked about the defenses. I think both of those defenses are underrated. Uh, definitely have big play playmaking potential on either either of those teams. When I'm looking at Tom Brady, though, he has so much career to look at. 32 games against the Bills, and he's averaging 21 for 33 for 254 yards, 2.1 touchdowns, and .7 interceptions. It's not great numbers, but if you want something safe, you know that's going to be solid. I could see Kirk Cousins having a three-interception game where everything just falls apart. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think he gives you more of that potential than Brady does. And when you look at what Josh Gordon, our guy from the Jersey giveaway, and Julian Edelman have been doing, they've been very solid. Rob Gronkowski's back now. That makes a huge difference. And then when you have James White and Sonny Michelle both healthy, that opens up the passing game for the running backs and the ground game should be solid. So I think I'm still going to go with Tom Brady just – I think he has a little bit better floor, but Kirk Cousins definitely does have the upside. I think uh, he's going to get more passing volume in that game. Like you said, Dar uh, Darius Slay on that team, they might shut down Dalvin Cook. So definitely opens up the door for a huge Kirk Cousins game, but I don't see it happening. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. That's really close. Yeah, and, and when I'm thinking about it now, we're talking about it, like Cousins definitely has the upside, right? I mean, he's the guy who's going to give you like the four touchdown game, but then he could also give you that three interception game. Like he's like, it's not like quite boom or bust, but it feels as if he's, he's the ceiling and then he's also like the risk at the same time, right? Yeah, I mean, he's going to get 40 pass attempts, whereas, you know, Brady's averaging 33 against him. I don't know if he's even going to get that you know he's going to be over 30 probably but right not by much so you might have you're going to have 10 more chances with Kirk Cousins and with Stefan Diggs there and uh, Adam Thielen there's definitely some big play potential there too so so yeah I mean the upside's definitely got to be there for Cousins but I think Brady's going to be a safer pick all right let's move on we got our guy Ben Heyer man I haven't heard from Ben in a while um we got Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, Baker Mayfield, pick two. I'll start us off. I think Baker is the guy I would pick right away uh, against Cincinnati this week. And then I'll go Trubisky against the 49ers over Josh Allen. I agree with that. Baker would be my first choice 100%, and then I will give Trubisky a little bit of an edge over Allen. Yeah, Baker's the number one for me. And I want to say Josh Allen, but I'm going to go with Trubisky just because he's going to be a safer play. And I think the 49ers might actually be able to put up some points against the Bears. Nick Mullins has looked pretty good. Nick uh, Mullins. I think they're going to be able to keep up with the Bears a little bit. Like Kyle said, it's going to be a close game, but not an upset. Uh, so look for the Bears to have to keep moving the ball down the field. So give me Trubisky as my number two. All right. So let's move on. This is from our guy Jason Quinn on Twitter. Got a few receivers here to choose from. Larry Fitzgerald, Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, or Robbie Anderson. I'm assuming that's just one of these guys. Um, so, Kyle, start us off. One receiver of this list. If I'm going with one receiver, I'm going to take Larry Fitzgerald because of the mm. matchup with the L.A. Rams. The Rams looked lost in the secondary against the Eagles at times last week week um Alshon Jeffrey with the huge game I uh, definitely think Larry Fitzgerald has 
some good upside. If I had to, if I had to order them, though, I would say Larry Fitzgerald, Allen Robinson, and then Robbie Anderson, just in case he does need two here instead of one. Right. Yeah, definitely. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take out the Broncos. <laughs> I think that's the safest thing to do, and then that's going to leave us with those three. I think I'm going to give Robbie Anderson the benefit of the doubt here. Packers secondary has been banked up. And like I said, I don't know if they're going to have a huge will to play this week. So I think he's going to be my number one for a huge upside. I think Larry Fitzgerald, as you brought up, he's going to be the safest pick maybe. Uh, But one thing you have to worry about is that Arizona offense is not good. And even though that secondary is not good for the Rams, if they can get the pass rush on Josh Rosen, it might make things a lot easier for that secondary. So don't necessarily expect Larry Fitzgerald to do anything crazy. Uh, and then my third guy would be Allen Robinson. Could have a huge game, but just don't expect a whole lot. Like we brought up earlier with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, I think they could dominate this game. Yeah, I look at Larry, and it's interesting that you bring up, Kyle, that you you wanted to exploit that secondary. I want to stay away from it um, just because of Tlaib and Peters. But you're right, they did look lost last week, but I think it was from a lack of preparation. Uh, with Nick Foles, and they kind of just – it really just broke down for them. Uh, Week two against the Rams for Larry Fitzgerald, three receptions, 28 yards. Of course, Josh Rosen has developed a bit of a chemistry, and he does target his Hall of Fame receiver. Um, And so seven receptions, 82 yards last week for Fitzgerald. I think that Fitzgerald is definitely startable, but it's championship week. Go big or go home. Got to be Robbie Anderson for that boom play. And you got to love the volume of 11 targets last week against the Texans. He was successful, seven catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. So I will go Robbie Anderson for that upside uh, in championship week. All right, let's do one more here. And I think this is going to be an easy one for us. Uh, We got Derrick Henry, Damian Williams. So I I think uh, Damian Williams or Spencer Ware. I think Spencer Ware is going to get the start this week. Uh, Jalen Richard. Peyton Barber, or Deshaun Hamilton, full PPR. Kyle, start us off. Derrick Henry, and we'll talk about him more in a couple minutes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I knew that was going to be an easy one. I looked at this, and it kind of jumped off the page at me. Uh, Blake, is that how you're feeling, too? Is that an easy one? Yeah, it's got to be. I'll, I'll make that, too. Derrick Henry. Damian Williams definitely has a potential for a good game again, but I just don't think he's going to be anywhere near Derrick Henry with the amount of volume that Henry's been getting. I don't think the full PPR is going to make a difference. The volume has been unbelievable for Henry. Um, so it looks like Ware is going to get the start. He was limited today, so but they might just split touches. Uh, so either one of those guys, compared to a workload that Derrick Henry is going to get, is, is just, you know, it's not comparable. Uh, it's got to be Derrick Henry with the volume, and, you know, he's hot. I mean, you know, it, he could – we could be talking about this for years if Derrick Henry just craps the bed in championship week after these amazing games. Uh, but it, I think you got to risk it. I think you got to risk it. And I assume that you have some better options that he could be like, you know, your RB two. Um, so got to put in Henry this week. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back on the hot take fantasy football. So we're going to take a little bit of a breather from this season. And, of course, we're going to come back with our hot bowl prediction. But we want to talk a little bit about who are some breakout candidates for next year. You know, we're at the end of 2018. We're going to be preparing for 2019 before we know it. Um, And I want to look at some guys who, you know, have breakout capabilities that might not be highly touted in drafts. I want to start off by talking about Dante Pettis, who was a receiver who I was looking at this year who could have been – he could have been a a wide receiver one for this team. So when I looked at it, I looked at their roster, the 49ers, and I'm thinking Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a big year. And so who they drafted Dante Pettis, and they have Pierre Garçon, who I was looking at as kind of falling off, you know, at the end of his career, and then Marquise Goodwin who I like as a player, but he's not a typical wide receiver. He's a speed guy. He's obviously known for his, uh, his Olympic days in track and field. Um, and then I look at Dante Pettis, who's a polished receiver, um, who really came out 
and looked good in the preseason too. You know, so I really thought, man, week one, this could be a guy who gets a lot of volume. It didn't turn out that way, but man, Pettis has really uh, earned his playing time and now looks like the wide receiver of the future for the 49ers. I don't know what's going to happen with Garcon next season. I don't know if he'll even be on the roster, but Marquise Goodwin has been out there and Pettis is getting the, the snaps and he's getting the targets and he's producing every week. I think Dante Pettis is a guy who's going to be a steal in drafts next season. Yes, 100% agree on all of that. I still like Marquise Goodwin. I'm excited to watch, and I'm not even a 49ers fan, but to see Jimmy Garoppolo get healthy for next year and then to see Pettis, Goodwin, and Kittle in that offense, mm. imagine if they, in free agency, they end up cutting Jarek McKinnon loose and they sign like Tevin Coleman, watch Tevin Coleman come in and, and play behind that line there. I definitely like what this offense has to offer next year. And the, the, the one play that really sold me on Dante Pettis, because I was always worried that this isn't going to be a guy that's going to be able to run those polished routes. But the one play that sold me against Tampa Bay back in week 12, he was in the slot in the red zone. I believe they were on like the 10 yard line or so snaps the ball. He a little stutter step, like he's going to go outside, maybe running out routes, And then all of a sudden just switches direction over the middle of the field, catches the ball, completely burn the cornerback into the end zone for a touchdown. As soon as I saw that play, I was like, this is a guy that could play all over the field, can run the routes, can do everything that he needs to do. Goodwin can stretch the field. This is going to be a fun team to watch next year. Yeah, I think you definitely brought up the point uh, of the quarterback situation. You know, if if he comes back healthy and they have a good connection there, I think it's well worth it. But right now it's been a Nick Mullins connection, so you don't know that that's necessarily going to carry over right. into next season. And it could carry over with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a great quarterback, but definitely something to be concerned with. But as you brought up, I definitely think uh, he's going to be ahead of Pierre Garcon and potentially over Marquise Goodwin as the number one receiver there next year. Yeah, second-round draft uh, pedigree out of Washington. Um, you know, he's slightly undersized at 186, 6'1", 186. I think he needs to put on a little bit of muscle. Um, but he is, you know, a kind of guy who can, uh, you know, work underneath and, you know, uh, stretch the field as well. So, yeah, now you're right, Kyle. This offense can be fun. Even if they keep Jarek McKinnon and it's McKinnon and Brita. Uh, with the weapons that we've mentioned. I think it's going to be a fun offense. So Marlon Mack is a guy who I think that, you know, uh, people still really don't want to view Marlon Mack as a, you know, I, I guess good running back. Um, I had him listed as my RB22 in that range, beginning of the season as perceived RB1 for the Colts. Uh, he's currently the RB24 on the season. And, you know, the Colts have had a decent year on offense. Andrew Luck is back. Um, this past week, 27 carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns for Marlon Mack. Um, if he goes into next season and they don't make any moves uh, as far as a running back, I think Marlon Mack has a chance to be a potential RB1 next season. Um, Kyle, how do you feel about Marlon Mack going into next season? Because I don't think that he's going to be you know, highly drafted again. I think you, know, you can get him later in drafts. Yeah, I think we're going to see Marlon Mack end up with um, probably a draft slot with the with the high running back twos. Um, I I don't think I I think there's let's say sexier names in front of him that we're going to try to jump on, uh, but he definitely deserves I think to have that kind of a draft slot because he that offensive line number one the offensive line has been awesome. Andrew Luck being yes. back fully healthy. Um, I would like to see them add another weapon on the outside to go with T.Y. Hilton. That would help a lot to take the pressure off Hilton and the run game. Obviously, the tight ends have done a great job this year as well. Um, but I, I like Marlon Mack going into next season. I think him, Naheem Hines is a guy that I was really onto heading into this year because, again, I didn't fully buy into Marlon Mack. And the injuries are something that still concerns me a little bit with him. But I think a, a combination of Mack and Hines um, is one of those backfields that we could per, uh, see perform extremely well next year. Yeah, and, you know, when I say potential RB1, I, I think that he just has the capability to get close to that RB12 finish next year if he plays a full season completely healthy because, 
you know, as of now, he's the RB24. And, of course, he missed uh, four games of the season. So, you know, he could, if he plays a full 16-game slate next year, he could really creep up into that, you know, RB1 discussion. Yeah, I think the nice thing with Marlon Mack, and I was kind of in the same boat as Kyle at the beginning of the year. I was on the Naheem Hines train. Uh, I think the nice thing with Mack is if Andrew Luck can stay healthy, play the way he's played this year, and that offensive line stays healthy, I think Mack's just going to be a really solid option next year. Somebody who's going to go out and you know get you 80 yards and a touchdown every game. Uh, somebody that you're going to be able to rely on. It's not necessarily going to be your – running back one I don't think he's going to finish as a running back one but he's going to be somebody that you can flex every week and be confident that you're going to get solid points without having to worry you know should I start this guy or this guy you're going to know Marlon Mack's going to be your safe pick every week now another guy that I'm kind of you know I'm definitely big on for next year but I don't know if he's going to be a week in week out starter is Robert Foster Kyle, I think that you are the resident uh, Robert Foster truther. Tell me about uh, Robert Foster and if he's worth a redraft pick next year. Uh, I think he is because um, Josh Allen's going to have to throw the ball to somebody. (laughs) Uh, I think the the thing that makes Robert Foster interesting um, is Josh Allen's ability to run the ball on the ground. I think I think the combination of him and whether it be LaShawn McCoy next year, whoever, whoever's in that backfield for the uh, Bills next year, who knows, maybe they go out and they make a bid for Le'Veon Bell, something crazy like that. Um, I, I think Robert Foster's big play upside because defenses have to sneak up to the box a little bit to keep an eye on uh, Josh Allen in the run game. I think that allows Robert Foster to do some things and burn some people. So I I mean, is he a guy I'm starting to, is he a guy that I'm drafting and redraft next year to start right away? No, but he is a guy that I will definitely draft in the later rounds is, is wide receiver depth. Robert Foster is going to be on a lot of my best ball teams next year. Yeah. Yep. Um, Blake, why don't you lead us with these next few, few guys? Yeah, so a couple guys I'm looking at uh, that I think could be huge for next year. Number one is going to be Josh Adams for me. Love it. The biggest thing is with Jay Ajayi, his injury history, I don't see the Eagles wanting to invest in him in saying, okay, here, you're our, you're our RB1. You're going to be our starter. They're not going to want to trust him as much. I think they want to give Josh Adams that lead role and let Jay Ajayi come in behind. And I think if he gets less volume, Ajayi is going to be more successful. With less volume, he can be more explosive. Uh, so I'm looking for Josh Adams to kind of take that lead role next year. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Wentz. You know, right now he's hurt and hasn't played real well this year uh, like we had hoped. You know, he had that MVP caliber season last year. Right. And this year just hasn't played well. So Josh Adams could be leaned on heavily next year in the offense. So definitely somebody I'm picking up now. A lot of people probably already own him but you might be able to get him cheap in an off-season trade for a lower draft pick potentially. Uh, definitely somebody I'm looking at. Now, can I mean, we trust this Eagles offense, though, uh, with Doug Peterson? Because we know he loves to use as many running backs as he can, uh, Jay Ajahi included in one of those. So, Kyle, can we trust Josh Adams next year to get the volume? Um, I, I think there's potential. I think you're going to see training camp being a Josh Adams-Corey Clement-type battle to see who can win that job. Um who knows maybe Darren Sproles will come back for another season that guy doesn't go away either like Frank Gore so um, I think with Jay I think Jay is going to end up being done there Um, they're going to have to re-sign him and unless they can get him on a really cheap deal um, a very team-friendly deal I just don't see him coming back so I think it's going to be Adams and I think it's going to be and plus I think there's enough uh, there's other holes on that team that they need to spend money on instead of another running back so I think Clement and Adams are going to be the guys that really fight it out to see who gets the lead back role. I think we still see some Wendell Smallwood in the passing game, but a, a little bit of a carousel unless somebody is hurt to begin the season, probably. Yeah, if it's between Adams and Clement next year, I feel pretty good about Adams. Like if, you know, it, it comes around draft time and we're still not sure, oh, it's going to be a split between Adams and Clement. I would feel pretty good about drafting Adams as, you know, the perceived guy to step away uh, as the lead back in that role. Yeah, so one other guy, I know Kyle's going to love this guy, Antonio Callaway. Definitely has a lot of upside next year uh, with Baker Mayfield there. 
Jarvis Landry is the clear number one there, but I think there's a clear path for Antonio Callaway to be the solid wide receiver two next year. Right now, he's just been a little bit too inconsistent for me. But I think with having the whole offseason, you know, he's got a few games under his belt with Baker Mayfield. Hopefully they're developing some things there and they'll figure out ways to work him into the offense more consistently. Uh, and he's definitely got the big play potential still. So a lot of upside for next year. I'm, it's the guy I'm trying to get this year. There's, there's one person, there's one player who, if I'm going to tout that I called it right, I'm going to own this guy, I'm going to celebrate it, I'm going to go with Antonio Callaway. And Blake, you're in some of the same Twitter groups as I am, so you know that since the combine, I have been telling people this kid has the talent. A lot of people didn't think he would get drafted. He got drafted. A lot of people didn't think that he was going to beat out, uh, beat out some of the receivers there. Well, that ended up happening. So it's been a good season for Antonio Callaway. This kid is uber talented. It's been super inconsistent this year, 100%. I do understand that, but I think that's what makes him so sneaky for next year. What a lot of fantasy owners don't know, especially some more casual fantasy owners that really don't dive into the college players, Antonio Callaway missed the entire year at Florida last year. So this is basically, this is essentially like a wide receiver coming off a missed year, whether it be for injury, suspension, whatever it be. Not only trying to come in and produce, but trying to make the jump to the NFL level. That That's a huge issue for some players. Um, just making the jump after being healthy, let alone sitting out an entire season and then trying to make the jump. They've got the right people around him. He's got a Jarvis Landry, a, a, another wide receiver to help take the pressure off. They have a tremendous run game. They have David Njoku. Everything to me sets up for Antonio Callaway being a big time receiver, not, not an elite receiver, not a, a wide receiver one probably, but I think the kid has legit wide receiver two potential in fantasy football. Yeah, that's his, that's his ceiling for next year is, is wide receiver two. And if you can get him at the end of drafts, I say pull the trigger. He's going to be on a lot of my teams, um, you know, even missing entire uh, season at Florida last year, he still was a fourth round draft pick. And it's because of that speed, that four, four speed, that 91st percentile speed that he flashed at the combine. Uh, and he has continued to flash in the NFL. Uh, the Browns felt all right about getting, you know, rid of Josh Gordon because they had Antonio Callaway. Um, and ever since then, he has been the clear wide receiver two on the Browns. Uh, you give me, you know, you know, 90% of snaps with Baker Mayfield, I'm going to take one of those receivers because Baker Mayfield, as we know, is a playmaker, and Antonio Callaway is a deep threat guy who, you know, really has, you know, it's been a developmental type season, you know. Uh, you know, he's had to learn on the fly having all of this work. I don't think anyone, you know, you know, Kyle, I mean, did, did you expect him to get this amount of volume? You know, because, you know, we thought about, okay, Josh Gordon, uh, Jarvis Landry, and now all of a sudden Callaway has been the wide receiver too all season. Basically, my call on that one was if, if, for, some, if for some reason Josh Gordon is traded right. and Antonio Callaway gets a decent shot – I think he will get the volume. Um, right. I did. I didn't. I didn't see Josh Gordon getting traded, but I knew the potential was always there. So there was always an asterisk next to it. Right. Um, but Antonio Callaway was a first-round talent. If he hadn't gotten in so much trouble at yep. Florida, if he didn't have so many character issues along with him um, coming out into the NFL. Um, he would have been a first-round draft pick. The only wide receiver that I had rated higher than Antonio Callaway in this draft was DJ Moore. Antonio Callaway was my wide receiver, too. Yeah, and, and I really thought that the Cowboys, you know, who have been known to take chances on players with troubled pasts, you know, I thought they were going to pull the trigger in the second or third round on Antonio Callaway. Uh, they didn't. He made it to the fourth round because of, you know, the problems that you mentioned and missing that year. Uh, but Antonio Callaway is going to have a fantastic year next season. Yep. And so this last guy I'm going to talk about, this one goes for Steven. This is his guy, Traquan Smith. You know, with Michael Thomas hasn't been playing real well lately. I don't think anybody's going to panic and say, oh, I need one of the other receivers there. But if he's losing some of that volume, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was getting 10 to 15 receptions a game. It was absolutely ridiculous. In the last couple of weeks, he just hasn't been catching balls. Right. Uh, you know, if there's going to be volume out there, Traquan Smith is definitely a player that could benefit from it. He's seen uh, Carr and Kirkwood coming in. They've kind of vultured some of those that we didn't 
we didn't want to see that happen because we believed in Traquan Smith. But you know, going into next year, it's definitely something that they could develop uh, Traquan Smith into a higher volume role in that offense. And I think Alvin Kamara and having Mark Ingram back to establish the run game and using Kamara more as a receiver, I, I think that's kind of hurt Traquan Smith a little bit too. But you know, going into next year, I have high hopes for him, and I think he could be a wide receiver too. I'm not going to say he could be a high wide receiver too. I just don't think the volume will be there, but, you know, great talent. Yeah, I think Smith is a guy who, you know, should be rostered next season if he's going to be the perceived wide receiver too on the Saints. Uh, Ted Ginn will be back from injury. I'm not sure what his contract status is. If they're going to re-sign him, um, then that's something that we should reconsider. But if Traquan Smith is going to be the wide receiver too on the Saints, Give me him all day uh, with an offseason to work with that uh, offense to be on the opposite end of Michael Thomas. I think that there's a lot of upside with a talented player in Traquan Smith. I think you're going to be looking at a boomer bust wide receiver next year. Uh, yeah. I definitely think there is potential for him in that offense 100%. Mark Ingram could very well be out of yeah. uh, out of New Orleans next year. We'll have to see how that plays out this offseason, but if that happens then that just helps Traquan Smith cuz Ingram still makes a little bit of an impact in the passing game that is still targets that he could take away. Um, but the boomer busts there and it, even on Twitter a few weeks back when I was really touting Traquan Smith is a is a speculative ad uh, in in redraft leagues if you are running uh, into the playoffs grab him because of his upside a couple of people said well it doesn't even look like they want him in the game plan they're barely using him and I said yeah but you're not picking up Traquan Smith to be a consistent starter for you you're picking him up to play him in those really good matchups and he produced in a couple of those really good matchups because of how much upside he had and there wasn't a whole lot of people on the waiver wire at that point that had the same upside that he did that's why you were picking him up I expect to see that same type of upside next year um, we see sophomore wide receivers typically you know over the last couple of years have performed better in their second or even third year so I, I expect him to make that transition a little bit more and, and get some more reps with the first team next year Ted Gid, uh Ted Ginn took a lot of first team reps from him this year so I think he'll start getting those next year as well and he'll grow and I think he's more of a boomer bust guy a guy that you put on your bench that you're not going to play uh, in bad matchups but as a weekly streamer he's a guy that could uh, you know get you quite a few points yeah yeah he could be like a poor man's Amari Cooper from the Raiders days where it's like don't start him every week but you have to be very careful about when you do start him because you don't want those 30 points on your bench uh, Blake I see that you wrote something here uh, Blake doubled Steven in week 15 bold prediction. What say you, sir? What is this madness? Yeah, Deshaun Watson wasn't quite the quarterback one. He was a couple points away from it, but he did have a pretty solid game, put up about 24. Uh, how many points did your guy put up? Ooh, what was that, Jared Goff? Yeah, I think he had 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, not a QB1 by any means. But that's all right. <laughs> it happens. I uh, I saw you uh, typing in your hot bowl prediction here, so let's get into it, bro. Who is your hot bowl prediction for this week? Yeah, hot bowl prediction for this week, week 16, fantasy championship. I'm going to double down with my Baker Mayfield talk from earlier. I'm going to say Jarvis Landry is a top five wide receiver this week, going to have a huge game. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll have to piggyback off of you here. Uh, Baker Mayfield for me is the QB one and you know a few weeks ago against Cincinnati Baker Mayfield had four touchdowns he had 258 yards so 36 fantasy points uh, just an unbelievable week against Cincinnati who you know we all know is a historically bad defense so targeting that this week I think that Baker Mayfield should be started and is going to help you win a fantasy championship this week. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll jump into my uh, bold, hot, fire, crazy <laughs> take, whatever you would like to, to uh, <laughs> whatever you'd like to call it this week. There's but a lot of expand on this one. Yeah, I want to expand on a little bit more because I actually said this during my live show last night uh, over on Rotoballer YouTube on the Roto Revolution. Um, I talked about this a little bit last night because the question came up about, do we trust Todd Gurley this week? And I, if I'm a Todd Gurley owner, he's going to be in my lineup, but I am scared 
to death. So one of my hot takes last night was that if I owned Derrick Henry and I owned Todd Gurley and I had to play one of them, I would pick Derrick Henry this week. I mm. think he has legitimate running back one upside, and I think he is a safer play than Todd Gurley this week. Todd Gurley will and always owns that ceiling, 100%. Even if he's not 100%, he owns it. Right. But in championship week and a week, again, I talked about it a little bit ago, where back-to-back weeks where crazy things have happened, I think that I can trust Derrick Henry a little bit more this week than Todd Gurley because let's say the Rams get into this game, they get out to a huge lead, and all of a sudden they say, you know what, Arizona's not worth it. This is a team that's going to pick potentially first overall next year. Let's set, Ted, let's set down Todd Gurley. They brought in C.J. Anderson. Bringing in C.J. Anderson tells me that they are, they are wanting to get Todd Gurley some rest before the, regular, or before the playoffs get here. And I think that they need to. The long game is the Super Bowl. It is not a win over Arizona. They obviously want to get that win to try and stay ahead in the playoffs. But I honestly think that Derrick Henry, as crazy as it sounds, is the safer play over Todd Gurley this week. Yeah, that's, that is a hot bull prediction. That is some fire takes. I mean, honestly, it's tough at any stretch of the imagination to bench Todd Gurley, right? And then, of course, last week, 10 catches for 76 yards, uh, 12 carries. Was nicked up in that game, left for a little while, came back. And I think that goes beautifully with your point in that why would they play Todd Gurley the entire game assuming they have a lead and now that they have C.J. Anderson kind of as that insurance policy, why would they play him the entire game? It kind of doesn't make sense to do that. The Rams' defense might be able to outscore the Arizona offense in this game, so I think Kyle's on to something. You know, you might ride the hot-handed Derrick Henry, as crazy as it sounds, and I don't know that I'm necessarily condoning it, but it's definitely something you need to think of. Instead of, instead of just plugging in the guy that you drafted, that's going to be everybody's excuse. You know, you drafted him for a reason, and I even said this earlier when we were talking, but if they don't play the third or fourth quarter, you know, it's definitely something to think about. With the volume that Derrick Henry's been getting, you might just want to take that floor over the Todd Gurley chance that he doesn't find the end zone and he doesn't play much in this game. Definitely something to think about. And like Steven said earlier, are you going to be more upset with yourself sitting Derrick Henry and having him put up 30 on your bench or with sitting Todd Gurley and him putting up 30 on your bench? You know, you kind of got to weigh that out. Yeah, and that's how I typically feel too. Normally, I'm like, look, you start your studs because if I lose with Todd Gurley on my bench and I got crazy and started Derrick Henry over him, I'm going to be way more upset. A little bit of the difference here at this point is the fact that Henry has such an amazing matchup that he's playing well right now that they seem to be willing to give him the volume. Washington allowing over 22 points a game the past four weeks to opposing wide receivers. They're banged up considerably right now. So uh, Tennessee has such a good defense. They could legit shut down Washington for the entire game. And then Tennessee just says, here, Derek, run the ball as much as possible. And then they get out of this weekend unscathed and they keep themselves alive in the playoff picture. Yeah, and I think the point to drive home here is, you know, not to bench Todd Gurley, but to start Derek Henry if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 33 carries last week kind of warrants a start at, by any uh, capacity. Um, so obviously we know about the huge outputs for Derrick Henry the last two weeks. Um, like I said, we will be talking about this for a long time if Derrick Henry comes out week 16 and just craps your team. Um, but you have to ride the hot hand. Um, you know, if you have Curly and you have Henry, try to start them both if you can. Um, but, you know, with those 33 carries last week, you know, Derrick Henry is a, is a threat in the passing game now. He had one catch for zero yards. So, <laughs> so that's, a, that's, a little, uh, that's a little upside there. Kyle, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on finally. Where can the folks find your stuff, and uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at krich1532. You can find my articles over on rotoballer.com and then the Rotoballer YouTube channel um, dropping three episodes a week over there. Um, and then this week as well, catch us on Rotoballer Game Day with myself and Jake Hubman um, from the Fantasy Headliners. We do that show together on Sundays from 12 to 1, taking start questions. So uh, if you're out there listening and you want to talk a little bit of football on Sunday from 12 to 1, catch us there. Awesome. Blake, where can the people find the Hot Take Fantasy Football? Yeah, Hot Take on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, rotoballer.com, the FSGN.com. You name it, go find us. 
Fantastic. On behalf of Blake Sullivan, my name is Stephen Taroni. Don't forget to get in your reviews on iTunes to win your signed, authentic Josh Gordon jersey. My name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. Follow the guys on Twitter at Stephen underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!